Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. And I'm Adam. And this is episode, what did we say, 94, Adam? We agreed on 94. I think we're going to have to stick with it. 94. Man, we are almost at, we're almost at 100, buddy. We're way over 100 if you count all the other, all the special episodes. I don't want to jinx anything, but I think we're actually getting into a routine here. How's that? Oh, we've been doing it weekly now. It's like the old days, right? Oh, we got movies coming yes, out. Yes, exactly. And, you know, we're doing this via uh, via Zoom, via, uh, you know, just the way our schedules and things lined up. And we were in the theater so much at the beginning of the week that, you know, we just didn't have time to come into the studio and record. So I'm hope I'm, I'm excited. This is going to I think it's going to turn out pretty well. Yeah. Well, it's worth trying. We've been talking about doing this, so we're going to try it this episode and see how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. And it does. We are getting into a routine. It's 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 like I think we're back. I mean, you know, I think we're the movies are, are rolling out every week. We're getting screeners and we're getting uh, uh, invites to go see stuff. And uh, besides what we're going to talk about today, uh, we've got, you know, potentially Top Gun next week and got some some stuff coming out just about every week through the summer now. Everybody's excited about Top Gun. By far the most buzzed about movie so far this summer. Well, we'll see. It's going to be exciting. I know that my wife might actually go to the theater with me to see that one. I don't know. We'll have to see. But I'm excited about two films to talk about today. And they could not be more different. (laughs) And they could be. Yes, they could not be more North and South Pole. I'm telling you, extreme (laughs) opposites. And... uh, uh, the, the first one we're going to talk about is Downton Abbey and a new, a new era. era. And uh, I'm excited about that. But then we have Alex Garden's Garland's, excuse me, men. And uh, yes. ooh, that's the other side of the spectrum. Yeah. One is cheese in all the right way to make you feel good and comfortable. Yep. And the other one is designed to maybe never make you feel comfortable again. Let's just say after we and we saw these in the reverse order, we saw men on Monday night and uh, Downton Abbey uh, on Tuesday night this week. And I needed a good feel good. Bring me back to nor- bring me back to some sense of nor- normalcy, yeah. you know, when, when uh, uh, after watching men. But we'll talk about that in the review. But man, what else been happening? Anything else happening, Adam? What's been going on? Well, we can talk a little bit about Star Trek, right? Because it does cross over to the movies. Sure. I have been burned out on Paramount Star Trek. I was not a fan of Discovery, not a fan of Picard. And my brother kept telling me that Strange New Worlds was different. And it was Star Trek the way I wanted it. Okay. I've dipped my toes in. I've seen the first two episodes. And my brother was right. It is good Star Trek. Good Star Trek is back on TV. Now, what is Strange New Worlds? Is that the, is that the Pike series? Yes, it's now? Captain Pike, the yes. precursor to Kirk on the Enterprise. I want to see that. I think I'm going to dip my toe in as well because so Discovery. Okay, so some of it was watchable, but I, by the end, I was not a fan. By the second season, I just really was just didn't like right. it. And then Picard was just sad. I loved Next Generation. Loved it. The TV show was a huge fan growing up. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't even go to the second season. I, I just couldn't do it. I, I couldn't do it. 
And then I've heard, I won't spoil anything on the podcast here, but I heard what the, what the end game, what the fi- season finale was for season two. And I literally, my mind almost exploded. Yeah. yeah uh, I know a lot of people who watch season two wish they had, um, but despite all my reservations and my previous experience with those other shows, this is now the fifth show on Paramount. If you include the cartoons and Below Deck and Prodigy, yep. they finally have whatever they need in place to make it feel like Star Trek. So kudos to them. I hope the season keeps up, but I'm in on Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I think we ought to just go ahead and jump right into our first film, Downton Abbey, A New Era. Why don't we listen in a little bit to the film to get ourselves into the mood for Downton Abbey? And then we'll come back right back. You're listening to the film Coterie. I haven't been up here for years. Well, this is the situation we're in. With the money, we can bring the house up to snuff to match what we've spent on the estate and enter the 1930s with our heads held high. But if you don't want to... No. No, you steer ahead. You're the captain now. I am aware of that, even if you think I'm not. Okay, and that was a little listen in on Downton Abbey, not Downtown Abbey, Downton Abbey, Adam. And uh, man, I got to say, right from the start, the magic is back. I, I, I am a big fan of Downton Abbey. My wife's a big fan. We watch the show. Yes, we're old fogies at heart, <laughs> but I love period pieces. I love the just, it's just like Downton Abbey's just like a warm brownie and ice cream. It's just comfort viewing for me, right? So this is the second film version of Downton Abbey. We can call it New Era, or if you want, Next Generation, either title works. Or we're going to call it the only film version acceptable. <laughs> so, if you're not familiar with the property, you cannot jump in with this movie. No. You have to do the work. <laughs> you're going to yes. have to watch the previous seasons, and I think even the previous movie. Yes. Um, to get anything out of this. Um, it did help that they had a recap for us. We watched about a nine minute recap of I, I don't think it included the movie it included all the seasons of television which which helped because it's it's been years for me I didn't oh, recognize oh yeah remember all the characters and all the twists so yeah. that was helpful but this this kicks off where everything left off this goes on and continues the legacy of the family and like you said they they recaptured I think something that was missing from the last film this had the, the all the elements in the right place, and it, it, it felt like the best parts of the show. Yeah, and, and we saw it with a um, what I would call largely senior crowd, an older crowd, you know, and it, and it was half full, three quarters full at this promotional viewing, and they loved it. I mean, yes. uh, loud laughing and and chuckling, and when the film was over, pretty good applause, you know. Uh, it felt like a uh, kind of a nostalgic throwback to pre-pandemic, you know, movie viewing, you know. This was a, a fan screening. It had been arranged for some people to dress up in costume, win prizes. Yeah. Um, everyone that was there was into it. Um, we saw a lot of critics bring their parents. I would have if my parents were in town. They watched the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're in Texas, so I couldn't bring them. But it was a very positive screening, and we pointed out that the two screenings this year that we've seen get applause have been Northman and now this. 
Yeah. And, and let's just face it. If you're, if you didn't like the show or it's not your cup of tea, no pun intended, if it's just not your thing, then don't watch it. You know, I mean, it's not going to be for you. This is, it is Downton Abbey, the show made into a movie, but it hits all the same beats are there. All your characters are back. There is, you know, of course, you know, Lady Mary is running the show and, you know, uh, uh, um, she's now in control and, and, you know, Lord Grantham has passed the torch to her and, you know, it's just kind of, okay, they're going into the 1930s. I mean, when this show started, so just to put it in perspective, the, the very first episode was the season was the episode about the Titanic sinking. And that was in like the 1910s or 19 teens, or it was like early, early 1900s, maybe the sure. odds, I, I'm not, but it was literally 30 years earlier, you know? And uh, so here we are 30 years later or almost 30 years later, and they're having to evolve into the thirties and all that that is and upkeep, you know, and on the mansion and all of those kind of stuff, but all the beats are, are there. And, uh, you know, I just really, 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 really enjoyed it. Um, Mr. Carson is in rare form again. He's just <laughs> not going to come out of the 19th century, no matter what he is stuck in the 19th century and everything puts him on edge and he's aghast over it. And it all works for good laughs for me. And I think what helps this film over the previous one is it kind of has two tracks of diverging plot. Yeah. You're following part of the family to the South of France. There's been an inheritance, um, this new house that comes with some mysteries that we won't spoil. But at the same time, we stay at Downton Abbey with other parts of the family right. as a, yeah. a movie production moves into the house to shoot a film. And this is an important time in film because they're changing over from the silent films to the talkies. So if you're a, a fan of film history, it's a fun movie to watch and, and seeing all the old style film production and everything going on there. Yep. And I think that helps the movie. Whereas if one storyline sags, they switch to the other. It's enough to keep you engaged for the first part before everybody comes back together for the third act. And, and there are a lot of cameo appearances. You know, most of the original cast is going to make, if they don't make an appearance, they're going to have a scene or two in the film. But it felt much more because the story was, like you said, driving through the the the, the house there, or and also the story in the south of France with the villa there. It, because it was driving through that, you needed to see all the characters, and that so it, it wasn't. So the first film, one of the things I just hated about it was it just seemed like people were popping in and making an appearance, so we could all say, "Oh, look, there's Lord Grantham. Oh, look, there's so and so. Oh, look, there's you know." but this one was actually just a movie and the characters came in in a, in a real natural way. The other, I don't think this is really giving away much of the plot, but the real hook that got its claws in me was the plot device of they've decided, was that a, too much of a spoiler? Should I say what the, what they're doing at, at, at no, Downton Abbey? I think it's fine. I think okay. the even hint at it. I think they do too. Well, they're coming to shoot a silent film at Downton Abbey. And so that is a great vehicle for half of them to be excited, Mr. Yep. Carson to be aghast, you know, Lord Grantham about to just, you know, die of, you know, just thinking, oh my goodness, what you, so there's, it's a great plot device to see who embraces it, who doesn't, and the storyline there. And it works for the modernization of the world too. Things right. are changing. The house is getting older. It needs a new roof, which is why they agree to let yeah. the film production come in because it's going to pay for that. And 
none of this is to be taken in a negative way. What this movie does well, it does fan service well. It's going to give things people want without sure. maybe feeling overly pandering towards it. Oh, yeah. It, it knows. It has a very clear understanding of what people want from this movie. And sometimes these films can miss that, where they just feel like it's another episode or it's maybe too different from the show. So I think this film really walks the right path for what a, a film adaptation of a television show as a continuing story should be. And I think they nailed it here for the fans. And for me, uh, Kevin Doyle, who plays Mr. Mosley in the film, in the series, he's the butt of jokes because he's the he's the bumbling professor that 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 tried to be a footman and never could really make it. But he really just stole the show for me. I just loved his role and how he comes into his own, and he has a real moment in this film, a really a transformation in this film and he kind of gets what's coming to him from, from my perspective, you know, and then I got to thinking about it, Kevin Doyle. I mean, he's been in, he's been done. He's in the, the, the Sherwood TV series. Now he was in the Witcher last season. He, he's kind of doing some cool stuff. And uh, I was just glad to see him. He was always kind of a fan favorite for me, uh, you know, because he never really fit in anywhere, you know, sure. Uh, until he, we thought his story was to be a school teacher and that was the end of it. Um, but there's more to be had in, in a new era, this film. And so I was, I don't know. I just, I just loved him getting his due in this film. So. So, I mean, I think it's pretty clear from us. This is a, a recommend from both of us, but oh, the yeah. caveat, you have to be a fan because you just yeah. can't jump in at this point. And if you don't like the show, you're not going to like the movie. I mean, I think that's clear. Yep, absolutely. So I'm in agreement. Yep, uh, uh, total recommend from me. If you are a fan of Caveat, if you are a fan of Downton Abbey. Okay, well, let's shift gears. And I'm going to go ahead and put a warning right now to anybody listening to this podcast. We're about to go directly the other direction, aren't we, Adam? Our, our, <laughs> from the warm, comforting blanket of Downton Abbey to just existential terror of the unknown. Yes. So we're transitioning we're, to men. We're going to transition to men. Uh, so just be forewarned. We're going to listen in to a little bit of it. And then when Adam and I come back, we're going to give, give you our thoughts about men. This is the Film Coterie. Hello. Hi. This is Marlowe, yes? Harper, yes. Do, come in. The words I have to say It's a beautiful house Would it just be you staying? Or? Excuse me? Mrs. Marlowe? No Until you give your love There's nothing more that we can do Apple from the garden? Y yeah, it was delicious No, 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 no Mustn't do that Forbidden fruit Oh, God, sorry, I... I I'm I, joking I... Oh, Tormented. It feels more like haunted. Yeah. Something happened. My husband went upstairs to our balcony and let himself go. You must wonder why you drove him to it. Why I, I didn't drive him to it. 
despite it to be true. But if you had given him the chance to apologize, he'd still be alive. What? A man followed me out of the woods. He was stalking me. What makes you say that? I saw him twice. Twice? I don't know if he saw you once. Well, play a game. And we're back. And now it's time to discuss men. Men. The fourth feature from Alex Garland, who's previously brought us Dread, Annihilation, and Ex Machina. If you've seen some Alex Garland movies, you might have an idea what you're in for. But this is the first time he's gone pure horror. There's not really much of a sci-fi element to this. Men is a horror movie. Um, Yes, it is. It's going to take you for a ride, and it's going to stick with you. It's going to stick with you for a while. So if you've seen the trailer, the basic setup is Jesse Buckley plays a young woman that's gone through a tragedy, and she's going off to the English countryside to recuperate and sort of find herself again. And she enters into a strange situation where every villager is a man. And they're all played by Rory Kinnear. The same guy plays every man in this film once she gets to the village, from the vicar to the pub guy to the landlord to even a child with some CGI effects. And what's interesting about the film is that she does not seem to notice that every person in this village looks the same. And that in and of itself is a little eerie and off-putting. You're like, does she not see what we're seeing? And there's just many more mysteries to be digested and discussed and investigated in this film because there's pagan imagery there's biblical imagery there's a whole lot going in this film and the film does not seem to want to drive you in any one direction a lot of this is open to interpretation um you could see this with three people and get really three different readings on this film i think yeah absolutely so so adam i've come to i've kind of come to learn something about Cause I really never had been when we started this podcast, like, I don't know, 2016 and whatever it was, when we started this podcast. I had seen classic horror, like universal monsters. Sure. And I'd seen the big stuff, the shining, the exorcist nightmare on Elm street, Halloween, you know, I'd seen what I would call big mainstream horror. Okay. Kind of deal. And it was okay. But I never knew until I started hanging around with you and you kept showing me, you got to watch this horror. Let's go see this film. And because we see it just about everything because if it screens, we're going to probably go see it, right? right? Review it. I never realized how much there is a underlying message that wants to speak to something in a horror film. Sure. And, and this film, I would argue, is about grief and loss mm-hmm. and having to come to terms with trauma, real trauma. And how it can haunt you and follow you, you know, metaphorically, even though it's showed out as a big, bad, evil person on, the, on in the film, you know, and uh, man, I, I, you know, the, 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 the press people, the, the um, uh, she asked us when it was done, you know, the, the people that released the film, they asked us, what'd you think? And, and I was like, I don't know what I think about this film. I, I you know, but I know I couldn't take my eyes away from the screen, you know, and, and it was just, 
I mean, there are are so many elements of horror that I would say is in this film from eerie, suspenseful, Stephen King-ish, don't go in the tunnel kind of stuff, you know, scary, to... Cosmic horror. Yeah, cosmic horror to the, the creature, the bad guy, the evil, the monster is following you to i'm i mean it goes all out bot straight body horror at the end of this sucker i mean it's it it goes he does not pull any punches i mean whoo it's right out there i mean crazy horror you know um not for the faint of heart horror i'll say that at least from my perspective and this is the kind of film that always makes me very grateful to the smaller studios and distributors like a24 yes because a studio would never put out this movie because i mean it's not going to be a box office success. If you follow cinema scores at all, where audiences rank movies, I mean, you know, the witch got a D and audiences are going to hate this film. Um, your typical audience, and this isn't a knock on them is going to want a resolution or answers to what's going on. They don't like these movies that just mess with your brain and, and want you to interpret them or want you to gain something from them. So I'm always thankful that there's a studio out there like a 24 that will, that will finance this and put this out and let the the auteurs do what they want to do. There's no studio notes on this film. I a hundred percent believe this is our Alex Garland's film, the way he wanted it. Yeah. Without a doubt. And, you know, I walked out of the theater and I told you, I said, I don't know one person on my friends list that I would recommend this film to. Now you of course do, because you have a huge group of horror films that will dig this stuff, but I'm just thinking my general friends list, I couldn't think of one person who I'd recommend this film to because not that I'm saying it's a bad film. It's absolutely not a, a bad made film. This is a a filmmaker in fully enveloped in his craft. Sure. But I just know the, like you said, the mainstream audience, this is not a film for them kind of deal because he breaks every rule in one sense. There is no driving overall narrative, you know, Uh, um, the, the way he treats the antagonist, the, the bad guy is the exact is crazy different than you normally get. I, I, I don't want to say anything to because I don't want to spoil things for people. But I mean, we sat around and we talked afterwards for 20 minutes about this film just because I'm trying to get my mind around it. The biblical imagery, there's Adam and Eve imagery and a tree and fruit partaken of that. And you know. pagan symbology paganism you know with birth death and and rebirth and light and darkness and the use of color and red for the trauma that she faces i mean it's just it's just reeks of an auteur filmmaker at his best and man it's just that movie i i I don't know if i i don't ever want to see it again i'll be honest with you i don't want to watch i don't want to sit down and i don't want to experience that again but I do think about that film a lot and wonder, I just would like to have him in front of me to say, what in the Sam Hill were you thinking when you made this film? What were you trying to do? And what's funny about the movie is that it's, it's almost a two-hander. But it feels bigger than that because you have Rory Kinnear playing so many characters. And he's tremendous in this. He's typically a character actor. He's been in a lot of stuff. He has he's like 75 characters in this. Yeah, he's like in 75 movies or so. He's got a lot of credits. I, I know him from Penny Dreadful. He played the creature on that, the Frankenstein-esque monster. But in this one, 
the work he has to do to sort of make each character different, but have a, right. a thread between them. There's connective tissue that he's built into that. He's just tremendous oh, yeah. in this film. Yeah, he is. And, and the lead, Jesse Buckley, is. Yep. She's always good. She's never missed. I mean, she's, she has this face that you just can't look. You just can't not look at her. I don't know what it is. It, I wouldn't say, you know, by any standards, she's not like your classic Hollywood, whatever, starlet or whatever. I mean, all those tropes and junk that's out there. Right. But you, you just, she just is so expressive and she carries so much emotion in her face. And you just can't literally, you, you just, your, your eyes are just glued to the, to the film from the moment it starts. And that's the thing with her too, is that she's so good as an actor that we, we kind of get the backstory filled in in flashbacks where each time we see it, we see more of it. She carries all that weight and you kind of have an idea of what's already happened just from her performance. Um, This is the brilliance of Alex Garland that he tells you right at the beginning, what has, what the trauma is that has set her off but you don't get the whole story till you're three quarters of the way through the movie. Right. And, and he does that through flashbacks to tell you what the trauma is and show it to you. And then he's going to show you really what happened to lead up to the trauma is just incredible. And, you know, it's an hour 40. I think it's really well paced. It, it yep. doesn't overstay. It's welcome. It's the right length for the material. And it's just a movie you're going to talk about. As you mentioned, when we left the theater, there were just pockets of critics and their little friend groups all talking. And outside of a film festival, you don't see that. When we leave screenings, it's usually, you know, nine o'clock at night. Everyone's just trying to get home. It's been a long day. But this was a film that struck a nerve, I think, with everyone in that room. And they, they wanted to talk about it. They wanted to see what other people thought. They wanted to discuss their opinions. Because, again, this is a film that's not offering up any easy answers. This is a film that wants you to look at it and think about it. And, you know, these are always the films I'm very excited to discover. They're divisive. And I would recommend this movie, but I I would just have to caution. You need to know what you're getting into because the movie is disturbing. It's violent. It's upsetting. It's creepy. Yeah, it's all that. It's weird. But it's it's a rewarding experience in its whole. When you you take it in, it's really quite something. And that's... These are the films that I just love to discover. So I'm excited that Alex Garland was able to put this out. Yeah. You know, the main, the main character, she's not even left, hardly left the house. She goes on a walk and within 90 seconds, I'm white knuckling the chair as she finds herself down in a valley, trying to get out of this old abandoned railroad track with two tunnels in it. Mm -hmm. I'm white knuckling. And that, that, I mean, literally just just really on the edge of my seat, white knuckling. And that was just the 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 that was just the down payment. That was just the beginning of the horrific where this film is going to go. Right. Oh my gosh. I still I as soon as I start thinking about men, I'm shaking my head, thinking, what in the world was that, you know? And even the name, yeah. You know, it's all it's all designed to be an experience. Um, and it's going to stick with you for a while, I think. You know, it's a movie we saw on Monday, and here we are Wednesday, going into Thursday. 
and yeah. uh, I still think about it a couple times a day. Yeah, me, I, I, I'm still thinking about it, and you know, it's, it's, and you know, and let's not even forget to mention the sound mm-hmm. and the score of this film. I mean, you're getting everything in a horror from the high squealing little, you know, little sounds they do to try to build tension to things that are Gregorian style singing and chanting almost, and the monastic kind of chanting to operatic singing and her screaming and she screams in tune. Her scream transforms into the score. I mean, there's some crazy stuff, crazy, crazy. You know, I might watch it one more time and then I'm going to have to put it away. The visuals are good. I mean, they're quite good, but the reason to see this in a theater is the sound. I'm glad that we saw it loud and could experience that. And and just to be in a dark theater where you can fully focus on the film too always helps, but yeah. And white knuckle the seat because you're terrified. If this is a movie you're interested in, I would not wait for home. I mean, I think there's certainly value to seeing this on a a well-projected screen with great audio. I think it's the best way to see it and that home would be a lesser experience. Yeah. And I'm not recommending it to any of my friends. Sure. (laughs) Do not go see this movie, but if you're into horror and you're into just artists of filmmakers, you need to go to the theater and see it. I'm just going to be honest with you. Whew. It's crazy. And thank you, A24, for taking a chance on this. You're uh, probably going to lose money, but we are grateful. Yeah, that's for sure. What else? Anything else about, about men we want to talk about, Adam? Uh, this is one I'd love to see a making of, too. I'm curious about a few of the things that they were doing. I don't want to spoil anything, but there's uh, some pretty great prosthetics. and I think there were some practical effects done. They, they could have been CG. But I, I think there was a lot of really well done practical effects here. I, the yeah, third I would love to do not that anybody would even want to listen to it, but I would love to do a little short mini spoiler cast where we just flush out all of those things, those questions we had. Like, you know, a clue I would give the audience, not to spoil anything, would be just pay attention to the the big baddie at the, the during the course of the chase scene or or her, her coming after him or whatever, just pay attention to how that's done. And then think about most horror films and you'll start, start shaking your head. Right. I mean, it's just stuff like that over and over and over again. I mean, the first time she steps in the house and she meets the owner, he's just off putting something's off about him. Right. Oh yep. man. That's again a, a credit to Rory Kinnear playing oh, all these yeah. parts. He's brilliant. He's great in this film. My goodness. My goodness. Well, Adam, I think that's gonna wrap it up, buddy. <laughs> Any parting thoughts for men? I'm not recommending it to any of my friends that are listening to this podcast. <laughs> and I am. I'm just saying you have to know what you're getting into. You've been warned that this is an experience. And it's not to be taken lightly, but yes. it's quite the experience. Yes. And if you're one of my friends and you go see it, I don't want you coming to me and saying, why did you tell me to go see that film? I told you not to go see the film. <laughs> and you can blame me. Oh, for sure. All right, Adam, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of the Film Coterie. 
We'll see you next time.